Blog Talk Radio. on the air. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in and listening to this podcast wherever you can. You can listen in your car. You can listen at home. You can listen at work. You can listen walking down the street, but make sure you listening. Make sure something just popped on my screen. You know how those little dialogue box pop up on your screen and tell you what's going on, what's happening, and Trump, Trump this, Trump that, you know, Trump, 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 Trump all over the place. 
your dialogue box would just bop, uh, just pops in front of my screen and say, hey, George, take a look, read, <laughs> announce it on your show, you know. And we've been off for a while. We really have been off for a while, and I had to get some things uh, 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 together, get some things done, get some things changing. Uh, we're at a new address now, and that's one of the reasons why I haven't been on. But I hope you've been enjoying the podcast that uh, are, um, will always be up there on, online on the Internet for your enjoyment. There's, a, there's 600 and how many? Uh, six, 654 podcasts that I've done so far over, I think, over five years. So uh, there's always something up there that you can listen to. It may be a little and, – and a lot of the stuff, actually, even if it was – even if you listen to something on my show that was um, uh, recorded uh, <clears throat> two or three years ago, it, it sounds – it sounds like it could have been done today because some of the same shit is happening today. Pardon my language. Some of the same stuff is happening today as it was then. Trump was in office. So you know some of the same things are, are going on today. But anyway, welcome to the George Wilder Junior Show. Hope you stick around, and I hope you listen to this podcast, and we are are, are back again. And I'm in – I understand I'm in iTunes. I'm in Spotify. I'm – you name it, I'm in it. Heart of Heart Radio, something like that. iTunes, iTunes in or something. I'm all over the place. People, you can find me everywhere and anywhere. All you got to do is listen, 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 listen. But you know what? There are a thousand podcasts out there, and I've said this many times on the show. There are a thousand podcasts. Everybody got one, and which is a good thing. Which is a good thing. Everybody can be on the radio. <laughs> Anybody could be on online radio and call it a podcast. When uh, all you have to do is have the gift of gab, I think, talking and and I have interviewed so many people over the uh, course of this show. It's unbelievable, mind-boggling. Uh, I have majority of the interviews have been about. Uh, I think have been leaning towards or have been about someone's writing. Yeah, because I'm a writer myself, so I have a lot of writers on the show discussing their books or discussing their upcoming works. So uh, I do have a um, lot of that up here. I was planning on coming back, uh, uh, starting the show back up um, uh, a week ago, you know, but things got in the way and I couldn't do it and couldn't do it. But uh, we finally back on after I think uh, six or seven months off. Yeah, six or seven months. That's the <laughs> That's a long while. And during that time, during all of those times, I was just sick in my mind of wanting to be back on the show and wanting to do it again. Things were getting in the way and my son's in college and I have to try and, you know, get some money for his for him to continue to go to college. He's not going to get any of mine. I'm setting my money aside and away from him. And uh, I'm trying to get money for him to go to college, you know, at least graduate. You know, I mean junior college. He thinks, I don't know if he's going to ever go to a four-year university, but I'm trying to get him an associate degree. And then I think he appreciates that. In sociology. Yeah, in sociology. And uh, that's going to happen, hopefully, if he keeps his grades up. And he's a good kid. I was just discussing uh, him with someone the other day, and uh, uh, he's not a bad kid. He's not really a bad kid. Uh, anyway, what are we going to talk about today? I don't know. <laughs> I'm answering myself, right? Um, 
uh, maybe I'll just keep the show on just being back and being happy to be back on the show today. We're going to, uh, I got us, I'm, I'm producing the show. I'm directing the show and I'm also writing the show. So, uh, I have to come up with something, but I was just eager to get back on, even if I didn't have anything to say or anything to talk about, eager to get back on, uh, interviewing and, and, uh, booking guests for the show. Uh, that was fun. People come on the show and, <laughs> and want to, you know, hawk whatever they're going to talk, the books or whatever they're talking about. This show is about talented people. You have to be talented in some way or another, or you have to have a good story to tell that's going to help other people out there. This this show is still about making the world a better place. I mean, Trump is is seem like he's having his way in our country, just dismantling, fucking up, breaking everything out there that there is, and he's doing it with a smile on his face. So, uh, yeah, if we're going to talk about Trump and his mayhem, but uh, basically we're going to talk about uh, uh, being positive, uh, uh, doing the things you love doing, you know, um, stay away from negative people, stay away from screwed up people because there's a lot of them out there. You'd be surprised at the number of, excuse me, if I'm, I hope I'm not offending anybody, but I have to tell the truth here. You'd be surprised at the stupid people out here. I mean, it, <laughs> there are some really, really off the wall people out here. And I'm not kidding. <laughs> Sometimes I run into them every day and all the time. I keep my mouth shut, though. You run, it's some, and then there are some beautiful people. There's wonderful people. There's positive people. There's people who are trying to get along with their life. Leave me alone. Don't bother me. <laughs> uh, you've got. Then you have the dumb people. The people who just you can't tell them anything. You know they know more than you do because they figure they have more than you do. And uh, we're going to talk about people. You know, and some people and. You know, it's just awesome the way um, I've come back uh, onto the show. We've got George Carlin on the show, but it's a clip. But hey, wow, he he is always he always makes me laugh. He's a funny guy, a funny guy, and he is he's passed away. He's gone. And uh, another person. Speaking of somebody who has just passed, uh, Toni Morrison, one of the greatest writers in in American history. I mean, I, I've had personally, if I've had maybe two or three books by Toni Morrison, and I think I had Jazz and Beloved, you know, and there was, a, uh, I think, a television show at one time called Beloved, sorry, Oprah Murray and Danny Glover. Um, they, those two were also in, I think, years before, they were in The Color Purple, Alice Walker's Color Purple. Um, yeah, Toni Morrison passed away. She was she was she was pretty large. She was she was she put on a, a lot of weight because you know the, I think the last time I saw her uh, she was in a video she was in a wheelchair and wow you couldn't even see the wheelchair she was just the weight was all over the place so you know but anyway she was 88 years old I'm not saying anything about her uh, physical appearance I'm saying something about her talent. Her writing, her prose, 
Toni Morrison to me was a different kind of writer. I mean, she was, I mean, I read her stuff. I mean, you really have to be in the Toni Morrison to keep reading her books. But she, because she had her own style, she had her own way of, of, of writing, her own way of quoting, and her own way of uh, uh, saying things. You know, you had to really, really be into it because you could say, wow, you know, you'd be a little confused if you don't, if you're actually really is not a Toni Morrison fan. And I am a Toni Morrison fan. I've always been. You know, but some of her stuff just was beyond me, but I tried anyway. But other people have said great things about her, and I'm going to say a lot of great things about her. Rest in peace, Toni Morrison. She really had a voice of her own, and she really was. She was in publishing before she actually was published, before she even written a book. You know, some people didn't know that. I think she was the editor of Random House, a publishing company for other writers to publish their works. Um, yeah, so she she was uh, into writing and books before she even was was published herself. And uh, rest in peace, Toni Morrison. And I can't begin to say about the uh, shootings and uh, mass shootings and Trump blaming video games and blaming video games when these shooters are actually quoting him. They're not quoting video games. I think I mentioned that on Facebook. Yeah, I'm on Facebook too. So if you hit me up on Facebook, you can uh, follow me on on Facebook. Um, I'm all over the place. You can Google me and whatever you know. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I produce. I I produce and I write my show, my own show. You know, I, and I spend my own money on my own show. So if people out there don't like that, they can go straight to hell. I'm the one who's spending money on this show. I'm the one who's spending my time and energy on this show. The critics can just take a hike. Anyway, I, I mentioned George Harris, George Harrison, <laughs> George Carlin. Uh, we got we have a clip here, and we if we can find it on the clipboard, we're gonna play it for you folks. It is so funny, and um, like I said before, we're just getting back. This is actually my first day back after seven months. There's some things I had to go through. I'm still going through them, but I'm still gonna manage to to do my show because I love doing it. Uh, and I hope you love listening. I know it's a, <laughs> it's a lot of people out there with these shows, with these podcasts, but you have to be good and you have to know how to bring people in. You have to know how to uh, engage people. You have to know how to be sometimes a little bit animated, people like that. And uh, it, it's just good to be back. It's hot. <laughs> well, it's not so hot. The weather is pretty good here in the city of Chicago. It's not that hot. It's just sometimes in my uh, studio here, um, my small – I have a smaller studio here than I did my other uh, – at the other um, place. But it's still comfortable. It's cozy. It's – you know, it, it's it's me, can I say. And I'm glad to be back, and I hope you uh, are doing well. Wherever you are in the world, I hope you're doing great, and I hope you're thinking positive, and I hope maybe. And um, – Thinking positive and being positive because you have to in this day and age. Um, uh, what we're going through with Donald Trump and 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 uh, the Republicans and stuff like that. And, all right, here's George Carlin on religion. George Carlin, the late George Carlin on religion. I hope you like it. Enjoy it. I think the list of commandments was deliberately and artificially inflated to get it up to ten. It's a padded list. 
Here's what they did. About 5,000 years ago, a bunch of religious and political hustlers got together to try to figure out how to control people, how to keep them in line. They knew people were basically stupid and would believe anything they were told, so they announced that God had given them some commandments. Up on a mountain, when no one was around, God had given them the Ten Commandments. But let me ask you this. When they were sitting around making this shit up, why did they pick ten? Why ten? Why not nine or eleven? I'll tell you why. Because ten sounds official. Ten sounds important. They knew if it was eleven, people wouldn't take it seriously. Say, what, are you kidding me? The eleven commandments? Get the fuck out of here. But ten... Ten sounds important. Ten is the basis for the decimal system. It's a decade. It's a psychologically satisfying number. The top ten, the ten most wanted, the ten best dressed. So having ten commandments was really a marketing decision. <laughs> and to me, it's clearly a bullshit list. It's a political document artificially inflated to sell better. I'm going to show you how you could reduce the number of commandments and come up with a list that's a little more workable and logical. We're going to start with the first three, and I'll use the Roman Catholic version because those are the ones I was taught as a little boy. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not have strange gods before me. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Thou shalt keep holy the Sabbath. Right off the bat, the first three, pure bullshit. <laughs> Sabbath... Sabbath day, Lord's name, strange gods. Spooky language. <laughs> Spooky language. Designed to scare and control primitive people. In no way does superstitious nonsense like this apply to the lives of intelligent, civilized humans in the 21st century. You throw out the first three commandments, whoosh, you're down to seven. Next, honor thy father and mother. Obedience, respect for authority just another name for controlling people. The truth is, obedience and respect should not be automatic. They should be earned. They should be based on the parent's performance. Parent's performance. Right? Some, some parents deserve respect. Most of them don't. Period. You're down to six. Now, in the interest of logic, something religion is very uncomfortable with, we're going to jump around the list a little bit. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Stealing and lying. Well, actually, these two both prohibit the same kind of behavior. Dishonesty, stealing, and lying. So you don't need two of them. Instead, you combine them and you call it, thou shalt not be dishonest. And suddenly, you're down to five. And as long as we're combining, I have two others that belong together. Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Once again, these two prohibit the same kind of behavior, in this case, marital infidelity. The difference is coveting takes place in the mind, and I don't think you should outlaw fantasizing about someone else's wife. Otherwise, what's a guy going to think about when he's waxing his carrot? <laughs> but, but marital fidelity is a good idea, so we're going to keep the idea and call this one, thou shalt not be unfaithful. And suddenly, we're down to four. But when you think about it, honesty and fidelity are really part of the same overall value. So in truth, you could combine the two honesty commandments with the two fidelity commandments and give them simpler language, positive language instead of negative, and call the whole thing, thou shalt always be honest and faithful, and we're down to three. Thou shalt, 
Thou shalt, they're going away, they're going away fast. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. This one is just plain fucking stupid. <laughs> Coveting your neighbor's goods is what keeps the economy going. <laughs> Am I right? Your neighbor gets a vibrator that plays Oh Come All Ye Faithful. You want to get one too. Coveting creates jobs. Leave it alone. You throw out coveting and you're down to two now. The big honesty and fidelity commandment. And the one we haven't talked about yet. Thou shalt not kill. Murder. The fifth commandment. But when you think about it. When you think about it. Religion has never really had a big problem with murder. Not really. More people have been killed in the name of God than for any other reason. All you have to do... Uh -huh. All you have to do is look at Northern Ireland, the Middle East, Kashmir, the Inquisition, the Crusades, and the World Trade Center to see how seriously the religious folks take Thou Shalt Not Kill. The more devout they are, the more they see murder as being negotiable. It's negotiable. You know? It depends. It depends. It depends on who's doing the killing and who's getting killed. So, with all of this in mind, I leave you with my revised list of the two commandments. <laughs> Thou shalt always be honest and faithful to the provider of thy nookie. <laughs> and thou shalt try real hard not to kill anyone. Unless, of course, they pray to a different invisible man from the one you pray to. <laughs> two is all you need. Moses could have carried him down the hill in his fucking pocket. And if they had a list like that, I wouldn't mind those folks in Alabama putting it up on the courthouse wall. As long as they included one additional commandment, thou shalt keep thy religion to thyself. Department. In the bullshit department, a businessman can't hold a candle to a clergyman. Because I got to tell you the truth, folks. I got to tell you the truth. When it comes to bullshit, big time, major league bullshit, you have to stand in awe in awe of the all-time champion of false promises and exaggerated claims, religion. No contest. No contest. Religion. Religion easily has the greatest bullshit story ever told. Think about it. Religion has actually convinced people that there's an invisible man living in the sky who watches everything you do every minute of every day. And the invisible man has a special list of 10 things he does not want you to do. And if you do any of these 10 things, he has a special place full of fire and smoke and burning and torture and anguish where he will send you to live and suffer and burn and choke and scream and cry forever and ever till the end of time. But he loves you. He loves you, and he needs money. He always needs money. He's all-powerful, all-perfect, all-knowing, and all-wise. Somehow, just can't handle money. Religion takes in billions of dollars. They pay no taxes, and they always need a little more. Now, you talk about a good bullshit story. Holy shit. 
But thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you very much. But I want you to know, I want you to know something. This is sincere. I want you to know, when it comes to believing in God, I really tried. I really, really tried. I tried to believe that there is a God who created each of us in his own image and likeness, loves us very much, and keeps a close eye on things. I really tried to believe that, but I've got to tell you, the longer you live, the more you look around, the more you realize something is fucked up. Something is wrong here. War, disease, death, destruction, hunger, filth, poverty, torture, crime, corruption, and the ice capades. <laughs> Something is definitely wrong. This is not good work. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Results like these do not belong on the resume of a supreme being. This is the kind of shit you'd expect from an office temp with a bad attitude. <laughs> and just between you and me, in between you and me, in any decently run universe, this guy would have been out on his all-powerful ass a long time ago. And by the way, I say this guy because I firmly believe, looking at these results, that if there is a God, it has to be a man. No woman could or would ever fuck things up like this. So, so, if, if, if there is a God, if there is, I think most reasonable people might agree that he's at least incompetent and maybe, just maybe, doesn't give a shit. Doesn't give a shit, which I admire in a person and which would explain a lot of these bad results. So rather than be just another mindless religious robot, mindlessly and, and aimlessly and blindly believing that all of this is in the hands of some spooky incompetent father figure who doesn't give a shit, I decided to look around for something else to worship, something I could really count on. And immediately, I thought of the sun. Happened like that. Overnight, I became a sun worshiper. Well, not overnight, you can't see the sun at night. But first thing the next morning, I became a sun worshiper. Several reasons. First of all, I can see the sun. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Unlike some other gods I could mention, I can actually see the sun. I'm big on that. If I can see something, I don't know, kind of helps the credibility along, you know? <laughs> so every day I can see the sun as it gives me everything I need. Heat, light, food, flowers in the park, reflections on the lake, and occasional skin cancer. But hey, <laughs> at least there are no crucifixions, and we're not setting people on fire simply because they don't agree with us. Sun worship is fairly simple. There's no mystery, no miracles, no pageantry, no one asks for money, there are no songs to learn, and we don't have a special building where we all gather once a week to compare clothing. And the best thing, the best thing about the sun, it never tells me I'm unworthy. It doesn't tell me I'm a bad person who needs to be saved, hasn't said an unkind word, treats me fine. So, I worship the sun, but I don't pray to the sun. Know why? I wouldn't presume on our friendship. It's not polite. I've often thought people treat God rather rudely, don't you? Asking you know, trillions and trillions of prayers every day, asking and pleading and begging for favors, do this, give me that, I need a new car, I want a better job. And most of this praying takes place on Sunday, his day off. <laughs> not nice. And it's no way to treat a friend. But people do pray, and they pray for a lot of different things. You know, your sister needs an operation on her crotch. Your, your brother was arrested for defecating in a mall. 
But most of all, you'd really like to fuck that hot little redhead down at the convenience store. You know, the one with the eye patch and the club foot, huh? Can you pray for that? I think you'd have to. And I say, fine, pray for anything you want. Pray for anything. But what about the divine plan? Remember that? The divine plan. Long time ago, God made a divine plan. Gave it a lot of thought, decided it was a good plan, put it into practice. And for billions and billions of years, the divine plan has been doing just fine. Now you come along and pray for something. Well, suppose the thing you want isn't in God's divine plan. What do you want him to do? Change his plan? Just for you? Doesn't it seem a little arrogant? It's a divine plan. What's the use of being God if every rundown schmuck with a $2 prayer book can come along and fuck up your plan? <laughs> and here's something else, another problem you might have. Suppose your prayers aren't answered. What do you say? Well, it's God's will. Thy will be done. Fine, but if it's God's will and he's going to do what he wants to anyway, why the fuck bother praying in the first place? <laughs> Seems like a big waste of time to me. Couldn't you just skip the praying part and go right to his will? It's all very confusing. So to get around a lot of this, I decided to worship the sun. But as I said, I don't pray to the sun. You know who I pray to? Joe Pesci. <laughs> Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci.
Show you know that I'm not a big Trump fan. Matter of fact, I can't stand him. Okay, I'm gonna tell you the truth. I mean, if you've been listening to any of those past podcasts, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm railing all over Trump, and you know, and he hasn't changed since then. And uh, so, I'm uh, this is I'm not a and I've said this a thousand times, not a uh, Nose is itching. Um, I'm not a um, Republican and I'm not a Democrat. I'm an independent. Um, I'm an independent that leans Democrat. But uh, Democrats, I mean, they letting Trump have his way over our country, and we voted for them, for the Democrats to put a check on Donald Trump, and they haven't done it. Donald Trump has put a check on them, you know. So, um, yeah. So if if you've been listening to the show, it, it's all about uh, ripping Donald Trump. But I get so tired of ripping Donald Trump, it's getting boring. I've got to find other things to do that the people want for me to do. I'm here for you, folks. I'm not here for me. I mean, I'm paying a great big old bill for this show. <laughs> and uh, basically nothing's coming in for me. I'm just doing it. It's not a hobby. It's it's fun. And... Um, and and that's what I like. And I like the fact that I like helping people. And I like I, I've always helped people. I think I've helped so many people around the world. It's 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 amazing. And then you have people who try to tell you not to help people. That ain't gonna ever happen with me. I'm gonna help everybody that I can within reason, uh, because I'm I'm a helping type of a guy. Whether it's verbally, monetarily, or just giving up a little bit of my time to help someone. Especially if they're struggling, especially if they're struggling to no fault of their own. So don't ever tell me not to help anybody or not to talk to anybody. Uh, you're crazy. Don't try to put your hate on me just because you hate. You're going to try and get me to hate. That ain't going to happen. I, like, as I said, folks, there's a lot of stupid people out there. And sometimes you have to deal with them in order to, eh, sometimes you have to turn the other cheek to, in order to get things that you need for your family and for your home. But that don't mean you have to be abused to do any of it. And that's it. That That's it. I mean, I'm going to help people. And I'm going to always help people. And uh, you don't like it, then that's your problem. Don't tell me not to help people. Do not tell me not to talk to people or engage people. 
it ain't going to happen because that's all I've been doing on this show is engaging people and help people trying to try to sell their books, try to get the word out of whatever they're doing that's going to benefit the world. So don't tell me not to do those things. I don't know you, you don't know me, or you don't know me that well. You know, I mean, if you want to hate people, that's your problem. More likely, more likely people who are telling people not to talk to other people or not to engage in anything with other people. Most, most of the time, these people don't have lives themselves because if they had their own lives, they wouldn't waste their time trying to ruin yours. All righty, the George Wilder Jr. Show. We're back after seven months. Seven months. Oh, seven months. That's a long time. Now we, we have to, uh, hopefully in the coming months, uh, we will have lots of guests on the show, folks. I'm just, I, I can, I remember so many guests that I had on the show that were, they were so memorable and they made a great impression on the show, whether they were writing books or they were talking about the cosmos or whatever the hell, hell they were talking about. Um, it was a blast and it's going to be a, a, a blast once again. And don't forget to check out my books and short stories online on Amazon. You know, if you need to uh, uh, find out where they are, you can uh, Google me. You can it, it will tell you, take you right to the books. Most of the books are uh, uh, fiction, action. I love fiction. I love making up stories. Oh, George, you write nothing but junk. <laughs> Not really. If you go by and you read some of that stuff, I know I need some reviews. And uh, if you go by, if you read a book, uh, give it a review. Uh, uh, give it the kind of view that review that you want to. There's no pressure on you to give a, a review. Um, they've been up there up there a while. Give a review. All right, the George Wilder Jr. Show is on the air. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks for listening. I want to thank my guests who were on the show for so many, so many years. It's fun to have a guest back on the show, a returning guest. That's great. And some people would call me and say, George, can you, uh, 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 I want to come on your show again. I want to be, I say, yeah, of course, no problem. You know, then you have people calling to the show who try to threaten me and threaten the show, and uh, I just hang up on those folks. You got crazy people all over the place. You got people who are, uh, you know, uh, trying to ruin your life just because they don't have a life. Believe me, people are out there like that. All righty, uh, the George Wilder Jr. Show. Uh, news and thoughts of the day. Uh, Donald Trump, what can I say? He he permeates the news. He actually, he, he fumigates it. We need a fumigator in here. Um, news of the day. Let's see what happened. We talked about Tony Morrison, right? Yeah, and the great writer, great person. Rest in peace. Um, we haven't, we, I haven't pressed much on the uh, latest mass shootings. Uh Joey Jeffrey Epstein, uh, you know, some people say he was murdered, but I do know there was some shenanigans going on. He didn't have to die. And the big question is, why was he taken off suicide watch? You know, so uh, Jeffrey Barr, I mean, no, what's his name? Bill Barr. Um, he's going around acting as, as, as if he's going to get to the bottom of everything and he may be the culprit to why this man is dead. 
you know, because he's going to bat for Donald Trump. He's going to try to cover up Trump's tracks. Yeah. yeah. I, I think Trump is nuts. <laughs> I think the guy has a – well, I've always thought he had a screw loose. But it's just the screw is just getting looser and looser. Anyway, um, yeah, um, yeah, I have books. I have books. I have. Uh, let's see what what else we're doing. Um, uh, oh, okay. I have uh, videos. Yeah, videos, guitar videos, and stuff like that. And it's, that's all fun. It's not a hobby, you know. I've done gigs around the town, solo gigs. Uh, uh, nothing high powered, but fun anyway, you know, lots, lots of fun. These things are lots of fun. And I, I love doing things that are fun. And I think that's what a lot of people should do. Do things that are fun. Stay positive no matter how worse things seem to be. Uh, you know, because you know, being positive can make things a lot better. Believe me, and I'm just not saying this, and I've, I've talked about this a thousand times on previous shows, about being motivated, being positive, stay away from nasty people if you can, uh, rude people, people who lie on you, stay away from these kinds of people. They're out there in droves, uh, and stay 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 positive. And 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 I've said several times, stop working for someone else. Work for yourself, because when you're working for other people, you know it, it's you know, not too many people enjoy working for other people. No matter how much they might say they enjoy their jobs, you don't enjoy your job until you start working for yourself, doing your own thing, making your own money, not worrying about somebody who's micromanaging their positions, not worrying about somebody who's threatening to take away your job or somebody who's always trying to get you in trouble or somebody who's always... uh, Trying to start something, you know, something negative. Uh, yeah, go out and work for yourself. It's it's a great thing. Hire your own employees, but don't hire too many family members because they they expect too many things that uh, they shouldn't get. They they will expect things from you just because they're your family member. Well, I'm your brother. I'm your sister. Give me that. Give me that. You know, uh, you got to treat them. If you're going to have your siblings as, a, as employees, you got to treat them just like you would treat, treat any other worker. They screw up. They mess up. They will be fired. I mean, this is your company. I mean, you want the best and the brightest for your company. All right. We'll be right back, folks. Another musical
Neharika and you're watching Skillopedia, the place to learn skills for the real world. So what are we going to learn in today's session? Do you want to be more likable? Of course, we all want to be liked by others. Now this is one of the most common questions that people ask. Hey Neharika, how do I be more likable? Well, people think that very few people are lucky just because it's more like a talent to be likable. But that's not true. Well, there are different ways that you can practice in order to be liked by others. So which are these ways to be more likable by others? Well, that's what we're going to look at. Well, the first thing that you can do is smile. When I say smile, I really mean that you need to smile from within. Yes, of course, one smile can do wonders. So it's extremely important for us to smile so that people start liking us. When you walk around these days, you end up seeing people are way too busy on their phones, tapping on their phone screens and they just don't want to look up. Go to the airport, go to a coffee shop, or probably you're just standing in a queue waiting for something. <sighs> people are so busy on their phone. Come on, people. I mean, great communications start with a great smile. So look up, smile, and probably you can greet people as well. Now, when you do this, you will see a difference. These days, people are so busy, and if surprisingly someone just smiles back at you, wow, you're going to love that, right? So the first thing that you need to do is to smile in order to be liked by others. was a much-deserved promotion and he told me to get up on the desk and spread them. All the men in my office wrote down on a piece of paper the sexual favors that I could do for them. All I had asked for was an office with a window. I asked for his advice about how I could get a bill out of committee. He asked me if I brought my knee pads. Those are just a few of the horrific stories that I heard from women over the last year as I've been investigating workplace sexual harassment. And what I've found out is that it's an epidemic across the world. It's a horrifying reality for millions of women when all they want to do every day is go to work. Sexual harassment doesn't discriminate. You can wear a skirt, hospital scrubs, army fatigues. You can be young or old, married or single, black or white. You can be a Republican, a Democrat, or an independent. I heard from so many women, police officers, members of our military, financial assistants, actors, engineers, lawyers, bankers, accountants, teachers, journalists. Sexual harassment, it turns out, is not about sex. It's about power 
and about what somebody does to you to try and take away your power. And I'm here today to encourage you to know that you can take that power back. On July 6, 2016, I jumped off a cliff all by myself. It was the scariest moment of my life, an excruciating choice to make. I fell into an abyss all alone, not knowing what would be below. But then something miraculous started to happen. Thousands of women started reaching out to me to share their own stories of pain and agony and shame. They told me that I became their voice. They were voiceless. And suddenly I realized that even in the 21st century, every woman still has a story. Like Joyce, a flight attendant supervisor whose boss in meetings every day would tell her about the porn that he'd watched the night before while drawing penises on his notepad. She went to complain. She was called crazy and fired. Like Joanne, Wall Street banker, her male colleagues would call her that vile C-word every day. She complained, labeled a troublemaker, never to do another Wall Street deal again. Like Elizabeth, an army officer, her male subordinates would wave $1 bills in her face and say, dance for me. And when she went to complain to a major, he said, what, only $1? You're worth at least 5 or 10 After reading, replying to all, and crying over all of these emails, I realized I had so much work to do. Here are the startling facts. One in three women that we know of have been sexually harassed in the workplace. 71% of those incidences never get reported. Why? Because when women come forward, they're still called liars and troublemakers and demeaned and trashed and demoted and blacklisted and fired. Reporting sexual harassment can be, in many cases, career-ending. Of all the women that reached out to me, almost none are still today working in their chosen profession, and that is outrageous. I, too, was silent in the beginning. It happened to me at the end of my year as Miss America when I was meeting with a very high-ranking TV executive in New York City. I thought he was helping me throughout the day, making a lot of phone calls. We went to dinner, and in the back seat of a car, he suddenly lunged on top of me and stuck his tongue down my throat. I didn't realize that to get into the business, silly me, he also intended to get into my pants. And just a week later, when I was in Los Angeles meeting with a high-ranking publicist, it happened again, again in a car. And he took my neck in his hand, and he shoved my head so hard into his crotch, I couldn't breathe. These are the events that suck the life out of all of your self-confidence. These are the events that until recently, I didn't even call assault. 
And this is why we have so much work to do. After my year as Miss America, I continued to meet a lot of well-known people, including Donald Trump. When this picture was taken in 1988, nobody could have ever predicted where we'd be today. <laughs> Me, fighting to end sexual harassment in the workplace. He, President of the United States, in spite of it. And shortly thereafter, I got my first gig in television news in Richmond, Virginia. Check out that confident smile with the bright pink jacket. Not so much the hair. I was working so hard to prove that blondes have a lot of brains. But ironically, one of the first stories I covered was the Anita Hill hearings in Washington, D.C. And shortly thereafter, I too was sexually harassed in the workplace. I was covering a story in rural Virginia, and when we got back into the car, my cameraman started saying to me, wondering how much I had enjoyed when he touched my breasts when he put the microphone on me, and it went downhill from there. I was bracing myself against the passenger door. This was before cell phones. I was petrified. I actually envisioned myself rolling outside of that door as the car was going 50 miles per hour like I'd seen in the movies and wondering how much it would hurt. When the story about Harvey Weinstein came to light, one of the most well-known movie moguls in all of Hollywood, the allegations were horrific. But so many women came forward, and it made me realize what I had done meant something. He had such a lame excuse. He said he was a product of the 60s and 70s and that that was the culture then. Yeah, that was the culture then. And unfortunately, it still is. Why? because of all the myths that are still associated with sexual harassment. Women should just take another job and find another career. Yeah, right. Tell that to the single mom working two jobs, trying to make ends meet, who's also being sexually harassed. Women, they bring it on themselves by the clothes that we wear and the makeup that we put on. Yeah, I guess those hoodies that Uber engineers wear in Silicon Valley are just so provocative. Women make it up. Yeah, because it's so fun and rewarding to be demeaned and taken down, I would know. Women bring these claims because they want to be famous and rich. Our own president said that. I bet Taylor Swift, one of the most well-known and richest singers in the world, didn't need more money or fame when she came forward with her groping case for one dollar. And I'm so glad she did. Breaking news. The untold story about women and sexual harassment in the workplace. Women just want a safe, welcoming, and harass-free environment. That's it. So how do we go about getting our power back? I have three solutions. Number one, we need to turn bystanders and enablers into allies. 98% of United States corporations right now have sexual harassment training policies. 70% have prevention programs. But 
still, overwhelmingly, bystanders and witnesses don't come forward. In 2016, the Harvard Business Review called it the bystander effect. And yet, remember 9-11. Millions of times we've heard, if you see something, say something. Imagine how impactful that would be if we carried that through to bystanders in the workplace regarding sexual harassment, to recognize and interrupt these incidences, to confront the perpetrators to their face, to help and protect the victim. This is my shout out to men. We need you in this fight. And to women too, enablers to allies. Number two, change the laws. How many of you out there know whether or not you have a forced arbitration clause in your employment contract? Not a lot of hands, and if you don't know, you should, and here's why. Time Magazine calls it right there on the screen, the teeny tiny little print in contracts that keeps sexual harassment claims unheard. Here's what it is. Forced arbitration takes away your Seventh Amendment right to an open jury process. It's secret. You don't get the same witnesses or depositions. In many cases, the company picks the arbitrator for you. There are no appeals, and only 20% of the time does the employee win. But again, it's secret, so nobody ever knows what happened to you. This is why I've been working so diligently on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. to change the laws, and here's what I tell the senators. Sexual harassment is apolitical. Before somebody harasses you, they don't ask you if you're a Republican or Democrat first. They just do it, and this is why we should all care. Number three, be fierce. It starts when we stand tall and we build that self-confidence and we stand up and we speak up and we tell the world what happened to us. I know it's scary, but let's do it for our kids. Let's stop this for the next generations. I know that I did it for my children. They were paramount in my decision-making about whether or not I would come forward. My beautiful children, my 12-year-old son, Christian, my 14-year-old daughter, Kaya, and boy, did I underestimate them. The first day of school last year happened to be the day my resolution was announced, and I was so anxious about what they would face. And my daughter came home from school, and she said, Mommy, so many people asked me what happened to you over the summer. And then she looked at me in the eyes, and she said, And Mommy, I was so proud to say that you were my mom. And two weeks later, when she finally found the courage, to stand up to two kids who'd been making her life miserable, she came home to me and she said, Mommy, I found the courage to do it because I yeah, saw you do it. Clips off of All right. Thank you so much. I've always loved that. And I do think see, that giving the gift of courage oh, okay. is contagious. And I hope that my journey has inspired you because right now it's the tipping point. We are watching history happen. More and more women are coming forward and saying enough is enough.
here's my one last plea to companies. Let's hire back all those women whose careers were lost because of some random jerk. Because here's what I know about women. We will no longer be underestimated, intimidated, or set back. We will not be silenced by the ways of the establishment or the relics of the past, no. We will stand up and speak up and have our voices heard. We will be the women we were meant to be. And above all, we will always be fierce. Thank you. Thank you. And thank everybody, the audience out there. Thank you, too. Here we go.
have new devastating polls on President Trump released today that show the president getting what one poll says is his lowest grade for honesty since he was elected, with 60% of the country saying he is not honest. And, he, and an even larger group, 65% of the country saying he is not level-headed. And that is the essential picture of the president that emerges in Bob Woodward's new book, that he is not honest and he is not level-headed. And that is the same picture that emerged we in the that. anonymous op-ed piece published in the New York Times last week man. by a senior official Pardon in the Trump friends. administration saying that, quote, Many Trump appointees have vowed to do what we can to preserve our democratic institutions while thwarting Mr. Trump's more misguided impulses until he is out of office. A Quinnipiac yeah. poll done this weekend asked for a verdict from the, the public on that ever. New York Times op-ed piece with this question. As you may know, there have been anonymously published allegations that senior advisors to President Trump work behind his back to stop him from making what these advisors believe are bad decisions. Do you believe these allegations are true yes, I do. or not? 55% believe that the president's staff worked behind his back to stop him from making bad decisions. Only 28% do not believe that, and 17% are not sure. So only 28% of Americans believe Donald Trump is in control of his presidency, 28%. And that poll was being taken this weekend in reaction to the recent revelations about the Trump administration. When that poll was being taken, Mike Pence brought the vice presidency to a new low. Do you think you know who Anonymous is? I don't. I don't know. But I, I do know that they should resign Liar. and leave this administration. Should all top officials take a lie detector test, and would you agree to take one? I would agree to take it in a heartbeat. And there, Mike Pence took his place in history as the first vice president to volunteer to take a lie detector test. And he did it because he lives in fear of Donald Trump, a man who Mike Pence knows and who we all know would never take a lie detector test about anything. And as Donald Trump has lied. destroyed any pretense of the dignity of the presidency, Mike Pence has done the same for whatever remains left of the perceived dignity of the vice presidency after Republican Vice President Spiro Agnew plea bargained his conviction for tax evasion while, while, the vice while he was vice president in order to avoid charges of bribery, and he resigned the vice presidency in a deal that allowed him to escape prison time. And it is at times like these when Vice President Pence knows that he can hope to escape history's verdict as our worst vice president, thanks entirely to Spiro Agnew. Mike Pence would take a lie detector test in a heartbeat? Why? Because the president won't believe him if he doesn't take a polygraph test? So what? Does he think the president can fire him? Mike Pence is one of two. It's time for Donald Trump to resign as president. Admittedly, it's been an interesting couple of days, but for any patriotic American capable of adding two and two and not getting one and a half million, this is enough. If you voted for Trump or you support him now or you're saying give him a chance, again, I'm not going to yell at you. 
or call you names. I'm not going to try to argue any policies. I'm not going to debate the size of his crowds nor whatever your conclusions are about Saturday's marches. In fact, I'm going to compliment you on your generosity toward him and the sincerity of your belief in his promises and your natural, your commendable desire to see him and thus see our country succeed. But this man is not of sound mind. In office, faster and more frighteningly than at any point in the campaign, over the span of just a long weekend, really, Trump has proved that not only will he lie to America about anything big or small, but that just as importantly, he will lie to himself about anything big or small. And more troubling yet, he will compel men, weaker even than himself, to lie on his behalf about anything big or small. And worst of all, the lies will convince some people, and they will convince one person especially dangerous in particular, Donald Trump. Because what Trump does not believe cannot be true. And that way lies madness and lies every evil imaginable, including the end of this country in a literal sense, perhaps the end of civilization. Because like somebody who's strung out on drugs or somebody who's living in a complete dreamlike state caused by profound, pulsating narcissism, he will not believe that the outcome of any of his actions could be failure or disaster or even something that could be harmful to himself. A man who could accuse the Central Intelligence Agency of trying to undermine him and ask rhetorically of the conduct of that agency, quote, are we living in Nazi Germany? A man who could do that, and then 10 days later go and stand in front of the shrine of its fallen agents and insist with a straight face, with every word he said and motion that he made suggesting he really believes this, he could say, quote, they sort of made it sound like I had a feud with the intelligence community, and I just want to let you know the reason you're the number one stop is it is exactly the opposite. A man who could insist to those same men and women at the CIA that it stopped raining the moment he started to give his inaugural address when you saw the rain falling on him. That is the kind of man who could convince himself that it would be just fine to start a nuclear war because, of course, he would survive the retaliatory attack, and so would his family, and so would whatever people he thinks are his friends, or to use his word, his fans. Of course they would all survive the retaliation, because he's Donald Trump, and bad things cannot happen to Donald Trump. At the CIA, Trump told the agents there that he has, quote, a running war with the media. He does not have a running war with the media. He has a running war with reality. His reality is what he says it is. He has an advisor who came out and said Sunday that when you deliberately contradict reality, that that is not lying or deceiving, but rather that's using, quoting her, alternative facts. You try alternative facts in your life for one hour. Let me know how it goes. Drive on whichever side of the road you want to. Stop wearing the safety glasses. Let the kids use the stove and the power tools. Write checks for money you don't have. Because ignoring the warnings and instructions is not courting a disaster. It's just a set of alternative facts. This is crazy. And even if, God willing, it never gets to the point where this kind of delusional thinking is employed during an international crisis or here at home during some kind of threat or disaster, even if Trump's ability to 
turn off reality like a light switch never actually threatens us and our children and all we know, what does it mean about that key promise that he made to you to unrig the system, to level the playing field, to never be beholden to Goldman Sachs as he claimed his opponent was, like he promised, like he seemed to promise before he hired three people from Goldman Sachs and one from Wells Fargo and one from Rothschild Investments. You knew this before that speech at the CIA or this crazy argument about how big the crowds at the inauguration were or whether it was sunny and only he could see that it was sunny. You may have even known this before you voted for him and you just hoped it was going to go away when he took over. But it isn't going away. It's getting worse. He's crazy. We will all be lucky to survive having had him in charge. And even if we do survive, it will still be the greatest crisis of our lives, all our lives. Look, I don't want a President Pence, but I will take him and his policies. And I'll fight the policies, but the man, we can debate the man in 2020 in the election. This is not about policies or conservative or liberal or rigged systems or marches or making America great again. This is about a man not in his right mind who now has <laughs> nuclear weapons. It is the greatest crisis of sure all of not. our lives right now. But together we can fix it peacefully. He just has to resign, or if he won't, there are provisions for the Republicans to remove him because he is so sick. We he is sick. I totally agree. And it's getting sicker every by the moment. We are in trouble.
the George Wilder Jr. Show. This is my first day back in seven months. Seven months. Hope it does. It's not going to be that long. Next time you can see I'm having a hard time trying to get the words out of my mouth. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm, and I hope you've enjoyed what you've uh, heard so far on the show. There's going to be a lot more. We're going to have a lot of guests appearing on the show in the weeks and the upcoming months uh, like it was before in the past. Remember all of those shows from my past, from the past, uh, the George Wanda Jr. show sound just as vivid and just as bright as if they were just uh, podcasted today. Listen to them. They're a lot of fun. Uh, forgive my French at some point. <laughs> I'm dedicated. I am, uh, you know, a little bit uh, heated, but that's okay. That's what it's all about. And doing the shows are fun. They're very fun. Oh, I wouldn't do them. You know, and I've had people tell me all around the world, keep up the good work. You're doing a great job. You're out there for us. Uh, I, and I want to harp on that a little bit. I'm not out there for anyone. I want you to be out there for yourself. I want you to uh, uh, stop looking for someone to lead you to the promised land or someone to lead you against Trump or, or his uh, his his dumb policies. You get out there and you fight yourself. You get out there and you uh, march. You you yell. You scream for this man to resign to get out of that damn office because all he's doing. But he's been he's been aided by his complicit Republican friends. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And I'm, I'm heartbroken that the Democrats aren't doing anything about this guy, letting him run roughshod over the country. They know he needs to be impeached. But I don't think they have the uh, the Democrats. I've I've been hearing for years and years and years that they are just weak, spineless, and they are. And they never prove me wrong or anyone wrong who says that. You know, I mean, before the midterms, they were all, "Well, we're gonna beat him. We're gonna hit the ground running. We're gonna have his taxes. We're gonna show the world. We're gonna impeach him. We're gonna do this." They haven't done jack. But back up and let this man, he's done a lot to them. He's embarrassed them. He's talked about the press. The press seems to be in his back pocket, too, because they are giving him, uh, saying positive things about him, even though he's been told over 12,000 lies. It's documented. You know, so, you know, so we have to get out there and do things for ourselves. We have to f- fight our own battles. Don't look for uh, Obama to come up there and, and be another Malcolm. Mark Martin. And Americans, are, I've said this a thousand times, even on Facebook, Americans are not fighters. If they were fighters, they would be out there protesting, demanding that this man get out of the White House, demanding that Mitch McConnell resign. Uh, Americans just don't have the stomach to fight, like these, like the people in China. The people in London, the people in other countries who are upset with their government, they fight and they fight and they fight and they fight. And these guys in government, what do, what do they do? They resign. They get out of office because of the people. Americans, they don't have that kind of fortitude to fight for their country. They're looking for someone else to do their fighting for them. I mean, it's, 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 it's Amer- some Americans out there. That will stand up for their country. That will fight, but there's not enough of them. You have a, you gotta have enough 
enough enough American. Um, excuse me, I can't even say it. You gotta have enough Americans to make a difference. You can't have ten or twenty or thirty Americans out there demanding that he resigns. You gotta be out there in the millions. It's three hundred. I've said this a million times. It's three hundred and thirty million people in the United States, and only one jackass in the White House. Who has the upper hand here? We do. The American people. It's three hundred and thirty million of us, and this jackass. And the, there's no way if we all got together and surrounded that White House and demanded this bastard resign. What do you think is going to happen? He's going to resign. But but they know, the Republicans know, and this this fool, Trump, he knows that Americans are not fighters. They hate him. They can't stand him. But they're not going to fight to try to get him out of office. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Hope you tune in tomorrow. We're going to be right back on the air, folks, tomorrow. Excuse me. I think I just hiccuped or something. <laughs> maybe, maybe there's a maybe. I'm getting used to uh, being back on the show after so long. And um, yeah, we're gonna be off. And I hope you listen to the podcast. And I hope you tell your friends and you know do all the great things. And uh, listen, it's all about making the world a better place. That's all it is. It's nothing more than that. All right, I want to say uh, thank you. Uh, Whatever time you might be listening to the show, have a good one. Um, We will be back. I'm I'm trying. I'm looking for a clip here, as you can probably see. It's tough to try to do something and talk at the same time, but, uh, you know, I have managed it, and I will manage it again. Okay. um, Yeah, I'm I'm in the wrong spot. (laughs) Well, where's my engineer when I need one? All right, I'm the writer, producer, and director of the show, and I'm glad uh, that people stop by. I'm glad people like it, I'm, I'm, uh, and I do appreciate all your sentiments and all of stuff like that. And uh, Anyway, we will be back tomorrow on the show, and I thanks you for listening, and make sure you tell your friends and family that the George Wilder Jr. is back, and he's still making the world a better place.
Hatred from the mighty and the mighty from the small. 